But I, I don't think I've ever heard that word ever used in the Star Trek galaxy. So I'm Star Wars. Oh, oh my God. Oh, Cardinal oh. Sin. Cardinal Sin, I said Star Trek. Star Wars. We just no, became no, really Star popular Trek. for the wrong reasons. Star, Star Trek. We just yeah, became popular for the wrong reason. Oh, man. Hey there, folks. Welcome to the Cyber Guys podcast, the cybersecurity podcast for everyone. My name is Andrew Valencia, and as always, I'm joined by the one and the only Mike Hill. Say hi to the people, Mike. Hey, may the fourth be with you. May the fourth be with you. That's right. Today is a fantastic opportunity for myself and Mike to really talk about something we're extremely passionate for. But before we get to that, I have some really good news. You can now download the Cyber Guys podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and more. Uh, if you do like to watch us on the YouTube, we're still here on the YouTube channel. But if you like to hear the invigorating sounds of our voices speaking about cybersecurity, this and that, by all means, take us on the road or listen to us on the run. And if you like to listen to cybersecurity-themed podcasts while you're exercising, I truly admire your commitment. But if you like to watch us, we're still right here on the YouTube channel. Just remember to like and subscribe. Now, with that housekeeping out of the way, Mike, it's 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 May the 4th. That's awesome. Let's talk. Let's talk cybersecurity and Star Wars. I love Star Wars. Uh, you can see behind me. I mean, I'm a huge Star Wars geek. I know you, sir, love Star Wars. I mean, look at what you're wearing. Uh, Jedi cross, man. Jedi, <laughs> Jedi wear black too, right? <laughs> and Jedi, don't get it twisted. I know everybody wants to see brown and tan. I'm going to post you know, for, for, any, for anybody who's watching uh, us on YouTube. I'm, I'm putting the picture of Mike up in his full garb, looking super awesome and way cooler <laughs> than Samuel L. Jackson ever could. <laughs> yeah, right. You got to go to the YouTube channel for that. <laughs> You're hardcore, man. You know, <laughs> you know it's funny. Before you go any further, I, I just gotta, I just gotta mention this. There are different tiers and echelons of, of Star Wars fans. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think you occupy a much higher tier than I do. No, I, mean, no, I, I, just, I, I just, I got the outfit, though. I mean, you know but, we just but, didn't uh, have, we didn't have, you know, we didn't have prequels or, uh, or, or the sequels to to watch. So, you know, when I was a kid, we had the movies that you fortunately got to see you know in the theater yeah. for the first time yeah i, I, I didn't there, get so that. in the theater but you know what i did get was a lot of books so that's what we did but i digress we digress let's get <laughs> okay we're off the rails so, okay you know hey what tech guy doesn't love star wars so um, <laughs> the thing is this in star wars we have hackers these guys follow around all the main characters all the all the way breaking into places you know, finding the codes, opening doors, raising and lowering elevators. Even it was the key in Rogue One to finding uh, the, the 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 secret plans uh, to the Death Star. All of that was hacked by these guys, or sli- or sliced, or sliced. We'll, we'll, it's, we'll, okay, it's, hacked, sliced. Come on, come on it's it's Star Wars. We, we, we didn't talk about that. We're okay, slicers right, here. So, <laughs> uh, fair, fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I want to talk about cybersecurity in Star Wars, or Perhaps the lack of cybersecurity in the Star Wars universe, right? I think that's that's a little bit more on point. I mean, there is tons of there is tons of examples of just basic sound cybersecurity practice just completely ignored, completely blown through. <laughs> I mean, not at all. 
<laughs> I, I love this. The, I, the, my favorite example, my favorite example is when presented with the proper security protocols and procedures, an officer just goes, ah, I was going to give him access anyways. I don't know if you remember, but in Return <laughs> right. of the Jedi, uh, this movie, right as the shuttle Tidarium is going to the battle of or, or going to the plant or the forest mood of Endor, the they have expired codes. I'm, I want to read to you the actual. I wrote down the the dialogue just so you All can right. just just to be crystal clear at this because it's shocking that this that that this is, happened. So Admiral Piet, of course, uh, is on the bridge and he says, "Shuttle Tidarium, what is your cargo?" Han Solo, as cool as he is, says, "Parts and technical crew for the Forest Moon." Vader out of nowhere goes, "Do they have a clear a code clearance?" And Admiral Piet says, it's an older code, sir, but it checks out. I was about to clear them. Right then and there, <laughs> Peter should have thrown him in the brig. That's ridiculous. It was an older code, but it checks out. If it's that an older code, it doesn't check out. There is no yeah, password that- expiration in, 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 in the Empire, I guess. Yeah, what is that? What, what what is that? Every organization has a password aging policy. Uh, every every code gets gets uh, audited and and access controls get updated on a constant basis. You know, and and really secure facilities, we we update codes on a, on a daily basis or a constant basis, or even on a, with a one time password every single instance. <laughs> so the idea that that an older code would check out. Yeah, bad cybersecurity practice. Yeah. I agree with you. Completely. And if it wasn't for, you know, the space magic that Vader has, of course, you know, they would have just blindly let some people onto the planet, you know, some some would-be saboteurs. It's a perfect Trojan horse. I mean, the fact that they just they they have clearance codes at all is great, right? That's a start, right? That's a step one of, of authentication, I suppose. But yeah, it's an older code. We were just gonna let them in anyways. You know, it's a good try. Now, the, the, the only exception, though, the only other way of looking at that is uh, if the older code was from this morning. <laughs> I suppose older is relative. Is uh, okay. Now you throw. Now you throw me for a loop because I suppose older is relative. What if so? In my in my head, my head cannon for all of this to explain this away is essentially that they're revamping their cybersecurity practices after the um, the failure that was the data breach of the Death Star One plans uh station plans and they're going through like CISOs like crazy right and this is just the brand new CISO implementing a new policy saying this is what we got to do and there's a little bit of, little bit of leeway because they just instituted the policy yesterday you know <laughs> that's my that's my headcanon for <laughs> for that scene I, I hear you but I'm, I'm just gonna give them the benefit of the doubt that that older is relative and uh you know <laughs> they just uh, didn't quite hit the, the limit on their exploration policy. Since you're bringing up the topic of just bad practices, every time R2-D2 or, or whatever droid it is goes up to a port, it's connected. It's live. You just have this unguarded, open, live port that any old droid can just plug into and, and access. There's no rogue device detection. There's... There's, there's nothing. So you have live ports open all over the place that connect to your main system. And uh, there's no no physical security uh, checking that. <laughs> I think, I think the Empire really certainly has never heard of like, you know, zero trust architecture or, you know, <laughs> right. verify trust no, no one, you know, inside or out kind of thing. It does seem like 
not just the Empire, but think about any instance in which R2-D2 plugs in, right? And and for, because I know someone's going to put it in the comments, right? It's called a Scomp Link Computer Interface. It's a Scomp Link Computer Interface. That's what these books are. That's that's what I learned when I grew up. <laughs> <laughs> so but the point is, but the point is this though. I mean, no, no organization. Forget about your architecture and 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 your authentication me- mechanisms. No good enterprise cybersecurity leaves open network jacks all over the place that anybody can just plug into. Uh, you, you turn them off. You turn them on when when you need them, or you have them in in controlled areas. And you're certainly going to have some version of device authentication and rogue device detection in enterprise class systems. I mean, in a home network, you're not going to do that. But but in, in an enterprise class uh, environment today, we're always going to uh, authenticate the devices uh, that, that, that are connected to our network. You know, we call it rogue device detection is a whole name for it. So the idea that a rogue droid, which is a device, even though it's a very fancy device, uh, is going to be able to connect to the environment and then interact freely, you know, that's, that's bad security. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I like this theory that I've kind of thought about over the years. Every time I watch uh, a movie, watch one of the movies uh, for the umpteenth time, I always think, you know, is R2-D2 just a really good hacker, a really good slicer, or is R2-D2 a legacy vulnerability? And, and here's here's what I mean by that. All right, that's a thought. If you go all the way back to when R2-D2 was created, he was created by a company called Industrial Automaton way before the Clone Wars. And R2-D2 really cut his teeth in the Clone Wars. He was not only part of the Galactic Republic military, so he was always plugging into ports left and right. He was also heavily involved with the Jedi. He was also heavily involved with uh, the politics, right? The actual Senate itself. He was around everywhere. So not only did he pick up tons of information, but he also got direct access to the software and the infrastructure that the Galactic Republic built their fighters, battle stations, and communication networks out of. Now, if we fast forward to you know the, the Galactic Empire, it seems that their designs are more heavily based upon what was going on what they had in the galactic republic at the time right look at the you know the stormtroopers are built directly from the clone troopers the star destroyers are designed directly from you know the star destroyers that they had in the republic um the jedi cruisers right uh why would their information technology be any different and why would their communication systems be any different so you, you, I, you know what you, I pose, you got me thinking <laughs> so right, I pose, go ahead, let's yeah i pose that R2-D2 is a good hacker, hacking droid. He's got a lot of spunk and personality because he's been around for a long time without a memory wipe. But he's only so good because the Empire has not updated their, their operating system. And they certainly haven't patched their mainframe in a long time. So he just yeah. has general access because he's had it for 40, 50 years. I, I think you're on to something, but, you know, I, I, I look at it a little differently. You know, some of the most serious security risks that we deal with in environments uh, are lower level risks. In other words, it's, it's one thing to come in through the front door that everyone is expecting you to come in through. Uh, but if you have perhaps a rogue chip, uh, you know, a counterfeit chip or, or basically a device level uh, infiltration, 
it is undetectable in most cases, which is why, you know, we we are very restrictive about, you know, uh, portable storage devices and and um, supply chain security, because if you can actually introduce vulnerabilities at a level that operates lower than uh, where your security is operating, you could bypass any security any day. Uh, Ultimately, physical access trumps trumps uh, logical access control and, and, and security control measures. Uh, even even today, uh, th- there was a huge incident a couple of years ago, not to get too far off on our normal topic, but, but just, to, just to go there for a minute, uh, where they were embedding these uh, small, uh, extremely small, hard to detect uh, malicious chips in these uh, boards that were being uh, put out. Evidently, it was a, a Chinese company that was behind it, uh, working out of Taiwan, and they, they compromised uh, the design process for these chips. And these chips got propagated all across the world and even used in some cases in very sensitive places. But because those chips were built into the uh, the boards that were actually uh, built into these computers, no one could detect. It wasn't a software-based intrusion. It was it was a backdoor built in. So so I, I, I'm digging your, your, your argument there that uh, because R2 was a legacy component in their... Uh, uh, in technical te- technical environment or network or whatever you want to call it, uh, he could potentially be that back door uh, to every to every system, which would explain his ability to just hack into everything. I, you know, uh, I don't want to poke too many holes in my own. I don't want to poke too many holes in my own theory. I mean, I think it's I think that's sound when it comes to the empire, no doubt, because the empire is built upon you know a lot of people. Uh, Basically saying, oh, that could never happen. We're too strong or we're, you know, we're too secure or um, they would never dare to to do that. I mean, you know, but and we'll touch on that in just a moment and how that relates to kind of like how cybersecurity is developed and actually implemented today. Right. You know, you got mission over security kind of stuff. But before we go into that, I think it's important also to recognize that R2D2 is an incredible slicer because he goes into like civilian or industrial centers and just plugs in and is he's got station readouts and so on and so forth. I think that there is an idea that permeates through the entire galaxy with that's simply perimeter security only, right? That seems to be what they have. The second you get, like you were saying, the second you get past physical access control procedures or physical access security controls, the second you get past those, it's, it's open field day. You get access to everything, right? Uh, in A New Hope, they get access to the Death Star uh, uh, readouts. They know that uh, Princess Leia is a prisoner on board simply because they got past, you know, the stormtroopers that, that were uh, supposed to secure the, the, the ship. The Millennium Falcon was a real-life Trojan horse that let them in uh, past the perimeter defenses. And the second they got past those, guess what? R2 was able to get all the information he needed. Uh, it's kind of the same deal when you look at like anywhere like Cloud City or, or really anything else. You know, uh, look at the Millennium Falcon as well. The second R2 actually has the physical access, he seems to be able to get whatever he needs. So there seems to be like a uber reliance on perimeter defense uh, as opposed to, you know, defense in depth. Yeah, that that's actually been one of my biggest complaints for years as, as a cybersecurity professional. You know, the idea of putting all your confidence in the perimeter and having carte blanche on the inside is is 
the thing that makes insider threats so absolutely d- damaging and destructive to organizations. Uh, and it's one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of, of uh, zero trust architectures within the boundary. But uh, but just basic f- physical measures, you know, uh, once you physically get access to something that trumps any sort of logical access that, that you could have. If, if I physically get access to a machine at some point or another, I can brute force it. I can find some way to break it through. So I, if I can walk out with, uh, of an environment with uh, a blade, with with an actual uh, computer, um, if, and what I want is on that computer, uh, it's just a matter of time. I, I'll get it. So physical access is everything. So putting all the trust into perimeter security and then giving carte blanche, you know, in the early days, it, it's amazing how easy it was in many different organizations that I worked with to access uh, server rooms and, and wire closets. I mean, literally none of them would ever be locked uh, and, and very often wouldn't be manned. Uh, but, you know, a lot of organizations are getting a little better about that now. But but the whole case of what was happening in the Star Wars world just illustrates the fact that putting all your security in the boundary is just not a good practice. In generalities, there seems to be... More decentralization, but access to everything, right? I mean, there doesn't seem to be like one secure hub with maybe one exception that we may talk about in a little bit. But ultimately, there seems to be uh, once you gain at one point of access, you get access to everything. You know, you're able to open doors, you're able to get technical readouts, you're able to silence alarms, you're able to locate tractor beams, right? (laughs) Tractor beam generators. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It's it's it seems like, uh, and it's scary how how applicable that is and relatable that is to kind of how we see as cybersecurity professionals, you know, actual security controls implemented in the real world, right? Um, I think we brought it up in a couple of episodes ago, but we talked about you know uh, how sometimes our clients will go, well, if they get past the front door, then we have bigger problems. Okay. Yeah, maybe you do, but that you can't accept that as the 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 worst case scenario because that's simply not the worst case scenario. And and really, it's it's evasive. It doesn't even uh, address what you know could be done because it it really betrays a lack of understanding about how serious that could be. Yeah, I mean, it really just treats every single you know potential hacker as you know like a rebel or you know a uh, an enemy uh, as opposed to you know somebody who may accidentally just you know leave the door open or may let someone in to an area they're not supposed to be in or may accidentally click on a link. You know, there's, uh, there's too many, too many real world examples of that occurring. And it seems, uh, even though it was written in, you know, the seventies, the application of cybersecurity kind of remains the same today. There's a lot more awareness. Sad. True. But ultimately it's a lot more mission focus than security focus than we'd like to admit, I think. I'd say this is this is a fun fun topic, but it just again underscores how everything goes back to the way we see things happening in the real world too. I mean, <laughs> R2D2 is just uh, an example, uh, or any other joy is just an example of what not to do. He's a rolling, security. beeping Trojan horse. That guy. I mean, he yeah, really is. There he is. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, he's got access to everything. Okay, so maybe let's talk about like some actual like proper procedures that we've seen implemented. Um, one does come to mind, but it also is immediately negated based on the next example of terrible cybersecurity practices. But when we talk about data at rest, right? And access to data. Uh, if we think back to Rogue One, the actual Death Star plans are physically 
more secure than a lot of the other sensitive information we see kind of anywhere else in Star Wars. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a moment, right? So it's on an actual like data disk or, you know, it's on a, it's on a box. It's in a box. All that data is in a box and it's within a secure facility. It's within a, you know, a skiff. Uh, The whole planet, Scarif, right? The whole planet is a skiff, which I think is super cool. That's good sound physical security. I'm really, really trying not to jump ahead and point out all the bad stuff. But, you know, let's talk. Let's first let's focus a little bit on how to properly uh, secure in a physical manner sensitive data or or hardware components. Well, you certainly want to have, I think you you touched on a second ago, defense in depth. And Scarif definitely had defense in depth. The whole planet had a shield generator around it. And then even into the uh, the the main um, building, uh, there, there were several layers of physical security before you could access the vault. And you didn't, you didn't even necessarily know where the vault was. Even that information was was protected, although not that very well protected. Uh, but in the end, uh, they, they relied on uh, obfuscation quite a bit. You know, uh, the fact that uh, the Death Star plans didn't weren't called the Death Star plans. Uh, what they call stardust. It just so happened that the person sent to get it would, would immediately know what that reference was and would be, a, be able to identify the plans based on that. Now, that. That's an example of what we call uh, security through obscurity, which is not a good practice. So I'm already touching on the bad ideas, but you know, at least we touched on the physical. No, that's okay. uh, you you kind of took the first point of the bad stuff from me, but that's okay. But yeah, security through obscurity, it's an attempt, but it's not great, right? Um, no. Physically, I think they're pretty good when we talk about defense in depth. Now here's... Here's the big thing that gets me every time. The Death Star What's plans that? themselves are not encrypted in any way, yeah. shape, or form. <laughs> There's no encryption whatsoever. They Once they have ac- physical access to where that yeah, data no, is stored <laughs> or to yeah. the device that that data is stored, it's kind of plug and play, right? They plug although, it in. They transmit although, it. It's not although, encrypted whatsoever. Yeah. Although, although – we could assume that it was encrypted and they had the keys. Uh, they they were working with uh, a, a uh, imperial droid there, and who would, who would compromise another imperial droid? So who knows? Maybe uh, in the process, that's even worse. Uh, that, to be honest, to have your key store <laughs> on a walking droid, you know, <laughs> just walking around. <laughs> Come on, that, yeah. that's not great. Hey, man, you know, <laughs> that, that might be worse. Let's give them a little bit of credit. Maybe it was encrypted and they, they were able to decrypt it. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Nothing in the story that says that, though. So I agree with you. <laughs> but yeah, so there's that lack of encryption. And like there's there's real sound principles when we talk about data at rest, where you have you know those devices not only you know physically secured, but also the data itself is secure, right? It's encrypted. Um, and that's, it's, again... Something that we don't see a lot of, uh, unfortunately. Actually, I can't actually think of any time that the word encryption was used in a Star Wars movie yet. I have to go back and think about that, but I, I don't think I've ever heard that word ever used in the Star Trek galaxy. So, I'm Star Wars galaxy. Oh my god! Oh, Cardinal yeah. Sin, Cardinal Sin. I said Star Trek, Star Wars. We just now, became now, really Star popular Trek. for the wrong reasons. Star, Star Trek. We just yeah, became popular for the wrong reason. Oh man! Yeah, I gotta yeah. cut that. No, cut that. Star Trek cut uses that. encryption all the time. You know, uh, <laughs> we gotta cut the whole that. We gotta cut. We gotta start yeah, the whole yeah. episode over. That's no, we can't. <laughs> No, no, no. Oh, no, we're no. going to make somebody angry. Star Wars, it's May the 4th. May the 4th <laughs> be with you. That's right. We're going to get it right. We're going to get it right. 
You know, no Star Trek references in Star Wars. We'll probably cut that entire segment, honestly. We'll move on to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Let's keep going. Keep going. But, you know, I, I do think that there's, there's something there, though, with regards to, you know, uh, how sensitive data is secured in the Star Wars universe. And I'd like to blame it on Star Wars being written in the 70s. Um, being based on, you know, Flash Gordon, you know, and, and a lot of other, you know, sci-fi that was made in like the 30s and the 40s. But and encryption's been this. around for a lot longer than that. You know, encryption's been around for a lot longer than that. Yeah. We were encrypting Lucas things is, mechanically. Uh, Lucas, is always, Lucas has always differentiated Star Wars from hardcore sci- science fiction. Uh, you know, it's really more science fantasy. It always has been uh, more so than, than science fiction. Uh so they they break a lot of rules. I mean, just just having sound in space is breaks a huge rule. <laughs> Ultimately, you know? I guess that's the get out of jail free card, right? Yeah. It's fantasy. Yeah. It's sci. It's sci. Yeah. It's sci fantasy, not you know science fiction. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last yeah. one. Okay. I got one more to bring right. up with you. One more to bring up. Go ahead. Go ahead. What you what you got? So in we talked a lot about uh, physical access, getting past perimeter security, and all that stuff. We didn't talk about supply chain management in any way, shape, or form. But I having a good example of really poor supply chain management when it comes to certain pieces of organic hardware. And that's the clone troopers themselves and the chip, the behavioral modification chip that, uh, you know, influence them all or force them all to, to execute order 66. That's some really bad oh, supply chain yeah. management. When, when you're managing an army and every single one of the soldiers in that army has a little chip in their brain, that has a kill order for every general uh, in the army. You probably want to know that you, right. You want to have some kind of system set up where you can actually do some quality assurance on the stuff that you're actually uh, uh, implementing and that you're developing uh, and putting out there. Did I that's, that's, a great job really, that? that's, a really, that's a really interesting point because a, a, a critical component of supply chain management is trusted sources. I mean, when did they even meet the Kaminoans? I mean, you know, in, in an earlier episode, in, in, in uh, episode two, Camino, uh, Camino, who's ever heard of that? You know, uh, he goes to the library. He's like, if it doesn't appear in our library, it doesn't exist. So out of nowhere, this planet that they thought didn't exist suddenly becomes their key source uh, for their most <laughs> Significant. I do. I do love how pragmatic it is. It's like, well, the armies, well, they're there. We might as well use them. Let's not look into it any further. I mean, this will win us the war, right? I mean, I I appreciate that. Bad sourcing, untrusted, untrustworthy sources. Exactly, and and you know, a massive untrustworthy source completely took down the entire apparatus. The whole organization came down because they didn't do proper supply chain management. Yeah. And honestly, it's just like ink pads. Remember those Lenovo's that, that we had employed for? I mean, when I was in the military, that they, they they got rid of those. Uh, the second they found, you know, some of the chips in the back doors that were were being implemented there. But yeah, that happens yeah. in the real world all the time, right? Uh, so yeah, right? no. As soon as IBM sold off that division uh, to to a Chinese company, uh, it was game on <laughs> for back doors. So you're right. You know, get, getting clones from the Kaminoans was not sound practice. not cybersecurity practice we want to imitate it in any way shape and form today (laughs) great stuff man great stuff now that we've kind of talked about uh, a business and and we've covered uh, all the bases and are you excited for any of the new uh, uh, Star Wars shows and movies coming down the pipe no 
No, not, of course not. No. Yes, no, of no. course I am. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What a time to be alive. I yeah, don't, man. man, what a yeah. time. This is great. I'm, ex- I'm so dang excited for Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi. I am excited for more Mandalorian. That, that, that was, that's fantastic. I'm, I'll eat it all up. Let's go. I got to know, man, you know, when, when Luke Skywalker showed up at the end of Mandalorian, were you one of the guys that cried? That is between me, my wife, and my TV. <laughs> All right. But, hey, I, 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 but, but I may have gotten nope. a, little, a little misty-eyed. That was pretty cool. It was, it was cool to see it the first time. No doubt. Yeah. It's, yeah the first time was heavy. I had to watch it about four times. It gets a little more long. interesting when you start thinking about, you know, how much more involved they can make Luke Skywalker in this stuff. But that's a different podcast and that's, that's, that's a whole different day. <laughs> hey man, how, how about uh, Boba Fett uh, on the back of that uh, rancor? <laughs> Look, uh, it's pure emotion when it comes to that. Uh, I'd be lying if I said the, you know, seven year old inside of me was like going insane. And it was, that was, it was even greater cooler to watch my kid like lose his mind when he's seeing that too. So hey, rancor riders, that's, 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 that's awesome. That was that was amazing. Stuff. I got nothing. Really I got, good stuff. Honestly, I got really nothing bad to say, man. This is a good time to be a fan of Star yeah. Wars. I mean, the plethora of of, of geek stuff that are, that's out there. I mean, not yeah. even just Star Wars, just kind of like you know everything else. I, yeah, I'm, I'm not too upset about it. I'm not too upset. No, it's it's fun stuff. You know, not not everything is a is a home run. I mean, a lot of people hate the uh, the, the sequel sequel trilogy, but uh, you know, it's Star Wars, man. You you, you just got to enjoy it. Star Wars, Star Wars. I got, I got opinions, but I'll reserve those because I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to end up on, uh, you know, Twitter or the bad side of Twitter or the bad side of YouTube or something. But you know, I'll reserve yeah. my opinions on on everything else. But I'm, it's <laughs> okay, a good time. We, we we have opinions, and and our opinions are probably just like everyone else's, particularly about Episode Nine. Hey, just opinions. But, uh, <laughs> just opinions. That's all they are. But hey, you know, just it's opinions. still it's Star Wars, man. Just gotta just just gotta you know light them up. <laughs> and, and get ready, you know. I got my, get, my book. Get, get ready to cut cut through some Sith. You know what I mean? <laughs> there you go. There you go. And hey, hey. And on that note, hey, Jedi wear black too. See, this is green. This is red. <laughs> yeah, Luke, Luke's been wearing black ever since. There the you go. The Jedi. There you go. That's gonna do it for us today, folks. Uh, remember, you can download the Cyber Guys podcast on Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite podcast platforms. And if you're watching us on YouTube, don't forget to like and subscribe. For the Cyber Guys, I'm Andrew Valencia. And I'm Michael Hill. Remember, may the Force be with you. Yeah, remember, stay safe, be secure, be sure, and may the Force be with you. We'll see you next time. <laughs>